Welcome to the Mosh Zone, episode 67, week 67, volume 67, number fucking 67. Hey going guys, how's your week been? Thank you for tuning in. So this week's guest is Colin from Twitching Tongues and God's Hate and many other projects. And that will be coming up later in the show. Normally at the start, we start with a little bit of housekeeping. And we're going to keep it the same as we do every week. It's kind of repetitive, but it is very important. Don't forget, if you listen on iTunes, give us a rating and review. If you have Facebook, make sure you're liking and following our page, The Mosh Zone, self-explanatory. But also in there, make sure you give us a rating and a recommendation. Also, don't forget, tell someone about The Mosh Zone this week. Tell someone you know that loves heavy music or loves a podcast. Tell them about the show. And also, guys, don't forget, if you listen on Spotify, don't forget to follow us and also check out our playlists. Those are the Mosh Zone Guest List and the Mosh Zone Cranked. So let's get into the part of the show that we're all tuned in for, and that is our Mosh Interview. This week's guest is Colin from Twitching Tongues, God's Hate, and many others. It was a really big honor and privilege for me and the show to get Colin on. And I've got to say thank you so much, Colin, for putting aside some time for me and the Mosh Zone. Much love, much respect, much appreciated. Colin's a bit of a legend in the scene. He's done many bands, many projects. As you hear in this chat, there's even many more on the way. It was great to discover a bit about the man himself and all the projects, all about twitching tongues, all about God's hate and some other things along the way. That chat with Colin is coming up now. First thing I've got to say is thank you for giving me some of your time. And um, second off, been kind of following... You and your brother since the ruckus days, so kind of. Hey, all right. So I remember hearing uh, ruckus and then twitching and then so on, and I was doing a little bit of pre notes and homework. Jeez, man, like you love your music. So many little <laughs> albums and EPs along the way. I was like, I forgot. You know, I knew that you're you're in God's hate as well, and then I was like, mm-hmm. oh shit, Midnight Suns, Eyes of the Lord. I was mm-hmm. like, fuck, boy gets busy. Like, yeah. It's pretty crazy, man. Um, I was thinking about it. Uh, this year, I'm playing drums on five LPs. Shit. I didn't even know I was in that many bands. <laughs> but yeah, it's pretty crazy. Some of them yet to be announced. Some of them already announced. But five LPs is pretty wild. And that's not that's not even really my main uh, forte anymore. Yeah, I mean, clearly you just don't like music. I mean, it's obvious. Uh, I hate it. Yeah, you can't. You just... What's funny about that is I'm at the point where live music kind of bothers me. I feel like I, it, like going to see live music, I feel like I'm at work. Really? Yeah, it feels like a, I, like I'm, I, get the, I get anxious and I can't wait to go home. Wow, but you, you're, you're happy in a studio. I love it. That's my favorite part, which I think most people probably think I'm insane because... No. It's it's stressful and chaotic, but uh, the the creation aspect and is is has always been my favorite part. Of just the, the the reward of hearing something finished for the first time is nothing beats that to me. It is. It's that all that time and effort goes into that completion of the project. But you know there is totally. time and effort in a live show, but you've got nothing to really show for it once you're done. Like it's... yeah, I mean, and it's 
you know, I think with, with Twitching Tongues, it's so weird because we're such a an odd unit where we don't really know if the show is going to be good until we're halfway through the set. Shit. Yeah, I know. It's it, We're so geographically uh, polarizing, and it's just different everywhere we go, you know? So I just, you know, I, there's no way to mentally prepare. We just, you know, we Dude, just do it until we do it. Ah. Um, so I always start off with kind of, you know, I think this will be really interesting for yourself, you know, because your musical tastes are really broad. Um, do, mm-hmm. do you remember someone, not heavy, just a band in itself, that when you were growing up, you heard them, and then that helped your discovery of music as a thing. Uh, you know, what's interesting about that is as I got into music as a child, I got into heavy music. Wait. Like, that was, it was the first thing, other than, like, the, uh, the, the musicals that I was in as mm-hmm. a child, uh, like learning those songs and whatnot, the other thing that I was really gravitated towards was heavy music at a very young age. And that was because Taylor did kind of the same thing and found all that stuff on his own that I was kind of right there to be like, oh, okay, this is cool. This is cool. This is cool. So, I mean, uh, but I, I guess uh, Jerry Cantrell was one of the first uh, live acts I ever saw just as a solo artist. So that was cool, and then that led me to Alice in Chains and whatnot. But the other real first live band I ever saw was Hatebreed. Fuck yes. Yeah. How old so were you just, when uh, you saw Hatebreed? I was, I was ten. Whoa. Yeah, and then and Sean was in the band at that time, so yeah. it's pretty pro- prophetic that uh, <laughs> uh, a couple of years later he, we, he would be in Twitching Tongues with us. Wow, that, uh, what was that like for you as a ten-year-old? Was that just eye-opening and like was the energy? Yeah, I mean, it was in? it was everything. It was like, okay, so here's this entire world that I have no idea about, and this kind of music that I've only heard on. Uh, I don't know. If, did they have MTVX there? Did that exist? Nah, nah. So MTVX was a channel that exclusively played like aggressive music videos. Okay. Like Biohazard and uh, Pantera and Sick of It All and stuff like that. So that was our my introduction to all that kind of stuff. So it was super convenient. It was crazy. I don't think it lasted too long, but uh, it was awesome. And then, so it was cool to see that in a live setting kind of so quickly after discovering it. And yeah, it was like, I don't know if it was immediately like, okay, this is what I'm going to spend my entire life doing as much for me at first as it was definitely for Taylor. Cause I didn't play an instrument until I was 14 or 15. Okay. So I thought I had zero musical inclination whatsoever. Um, Taylor was started playing drums when he was like six or seven. So he's been rocking a long time, but uh, yeah, I mean, it was crazy, man. I felt, I definitely felt a, uh, a, and at least a slight shift in my whole life that so, very moment. So, I mean, your brother's musical and you were saying that you're a bit late to in the development of being musical, but Definitely. was music something that was championed by your folks growing up? Was it something that they were into? Yeah. Yeah. So our mom is a, like a classical pianist. Oh, wow. Okay. So I wish that for, I've, I wish 
very badly that she would have just sat me down and made me play piano at a young age because it's like <laughs> it's yeah. it's the fa- it's the foundation of all music mm-hmm. like if you can play piano you can fucking play anything so unfortunately i didn't uh get as proficient at that as i would like to maybe there's still time and then our dad plays drums so there were drums in the house very early on so that was kind of the first thing where in uh, elementary school i tried to play upright bass Oh wow, which was, which is funny, but like ultimately a waste of time. But anybody that isn't trying to be like a professional <laughs> orchestral musician. Uh, so when I was fourteen or fifteen, I finally kind of sat on the drums for the first time and just closed the door and started to hit stuff until something made sense. Wow. And then, and then a couple months later, uh, Taylor transitioned back to guitar from a band that he was in and was like, what do you think about trying drums? And I was 15 at the time, I think. So that was that. But until then it was like, he didn't want to even want to hang out with me, let alone the thought of being in a band with me as a kid. He was like, fuck that. Never. Yeah. And then look at it now. Like here we are in fucking 30 bands together. So, so basically if there wasn't a drum kit around in the house, do you think you would have found your way to maybe guitar or something else? Who knows, man? I mean, so I did the musical theater stuff as like a young child. Mm-hmm. So, so maybe I would have been singing regardless, but it's weird. I mean, I, I feel like that's kind of why drummers are such a rare thing mm-hmm. and why every kind of region in the world has one guy that plays in five bands. Because <laughs> he's the one guy that had... Uh, somebody with a drum kit in the house you know mm-hmm. so it's just a weird luck of the draw thing man if it's around you learn if it's not you don't even think about it so you know during these years you're in high school or you're in middle school mm-hmm. and high school um what was school like for you were you just focused on music or were you looking at possible careers that weren't involving anything musical no, it was always just music all the time. And I think that was uh, to my detriment sometimes because I didn't give a fuck about school and I couldn't focus on anything but thinking about what I would do with music once I graduated. Uh, so that kind of, that definitely hurt my grades and all that. But uh, ultimately, all my teachers who kind of kept up with me via Facebook or something and like my counselors saw that I was doing a European tour within – two months of graduating high school and they were like, Oh fuck. Well, I guess he meant it. Good for him. <laughs> so that was cool. And you know, not that, not that it's, it, it is my career or that I, I'm at the point now where it's like, uh, I, I don't want to look at it as like a business venture anymore. Cause then it starts to suck the fun out. Mm. So, but I think what I've been able to do in the 10 years since graduating high school was pretty awesome. And that, uh, 2009 me would be would be psyched at how things turned out so um i found you guys and discovered your talent in ruckus which was kind of Mm. for me my first discovery of what you guys were up to but it sounds like were there bands for you guys before that because it sounds like there must have been yeah um Taylor played drums in a death metal band called Crematorium, who's been a band forever. And he joined them when he was like 17. And he 
started this kind of jokey, crazy, weird, uh, like militant straight edge band called Fight Everyone. <laughs> uh, yeah, that was silly. And then that's the band that I joined as like a 15 or 16 year old when he transitioned back to guitar in it. So that was our first thing together. And then we did Ruckus to kind of get away from that and to just do a, kind of our own band. And then from that, Twitching Tongues was the same way, where it was like, all right, well, let's do a thing with you singing now. And that took over. Like, Ruckus was like our main band at one point, and Twitching Tongues was the side one. Like, the first Twitching Tongues tour was supporting Ruckus in Europe. Wait, okay. And it was actually, I think it was the only time Ruckus ever toured anywhere. So we we kind of found out very quickly on that that Twitching Tongues was the thing we wanted to focus on more. And it just kind of naturally happened on its own. But well, yeah, Ruckus was a was a weird thing, man. I was in like 10th and 11th grade when we were writing some of those songs. Well, Ruckus was also very stylistically different to Twitching Tongues too. I mean, Ruckus, totally. Ruckus you could say... I mean, people like to label things, but you say it was beat down hardcore. It was real to the throat. Yeah, essentially, yes. But definitely the, the first one, I would say, was, mm. was more along those lines, especially coming out on a label called uh, Beat Down Hardware. Yes. <laughs> kind of pigeon- pigeonholed us into that world, in a sense. And what's interesting is, you know, when Twitch and Tongue started, we wanted to have, we wanted it to be a hard band, you know? Mm. Uh, but we, we thought that Ruck, the like crossover with Ruckus would be such a thing that we decided to kind of scale back on the mosh parts and like the, the, just the general heaviness. And then by the second Twitching Tongues album, we kind of realized that it had taken over as its own entity and we could kind of combine the uh the heavy aspects of both and the one thing without really worrying about like oh they're just doing ruckus parts in this because people forgot about ruckus in a fucking a year you know mm. so it ultimately it didn't matter but yeah it was interesting to think about that at one point ruckus was like this is our brand this is what we're doing this is our this is the one and then a month later it was like oh never mind well you were saying also there that ruckus didn't really tour um, no, never. And then I think with, we did one West Coast tour and one European tour, and that's it. So when you're starting out with Twitching Tongues, you know mm-hmm. you, you haven't really learned much of you know the touring life necessarily and all of that, have True. you? True. With that band, yeah. So um, also I played drums in a band called Alpha and Omega. Briefly. Yes, I thought you did. Yeah, but I wasn't 100. Yeah. percent Yeah. Right. So that was where I did my first. European and U.S. tours, mm-hmm. so that's kind of where I cut my teeth on the <laughs> on the road a little bit, and was like, okay, I guess I am physically capable of this, so let's give it a shot with my other bands now. So twitching, twitching tongues. When you started out, there was a demo and mm-hmm. the the single I and I was mm-hmm. was that still at the stage where you weren't sure if it was going to be a serious project? You know, you're saying it was just kind of a thing on the side. Well, the whole first couple of years happened so fast. Um, the demo was recorded in, uh, n- October, November of 2009. So mm-hmm. 10 years ago, mm-hmm. the L the first LP sleep therapy was recorded July, 2010. Wow. Which, in- which included the, the insane and humane single. Mm-hmm. 
So it was like that was done, and before that was released, and Love There's No Law was written. Wow. So it was like we just yeah we just didn't really we weren't really thinking about it we didn't have a plan, we just kind of kept going you know, and then it caught up with itself and by the time and Love There's No Law was coming out it was like well I guess this is this is it you know, but yeah the first couple of years were just it was such a fast thing, I it might have been by the the Preacher Man seven inch that we were like. Okay, I think uh, I think this is what we'll do. And that that preacher and then, that preacher man EP also was the time that you officially started making connections with closed casket activities. Right. That's correct. A, that's yes. been, if if you look into what you've done musically, that's a big link that you've constantly had. Was was that totally. something that they approached you to start out that you know relationship? So. Um, he, there was actually a brief point where he almost put out sleep therapy, Oh, okay. but, uh, we had signed the contract with ice cream already and they took a long time to put it out. Yeah. It was, it was like a, a, over a year, yeah. uh, between when we submitted it to when it was released. So we got to a point where we were like, should we just pull it and do it with closed casket? And we were really close. And then it was like, okay guys, I got test presses. So it just became too late. But Taylor and Justin were uh, kind of talking all the time about other stuff. Like we were we were fans of the label first because of the stuff like Unholy that he put out. Mm-hmm. So the idea of working with him. Oh, and Harm's Way. He put out Harm's Way as well. So that was like, I feel like Harm's Way was uh, kind of the first uh, rebranding of Closed Casket. You know, it was like it was like the coming out party for Closed Casket because that was such a huge record. And then we wanted to be kind of his, really try to be his flagship band and, and stick with him. And the plan was that if we ever moved on, to keep him with us. Mm-hmm. And that's what we've done. Is so for the for both Metal Blade records, we made sure that he was involved with the vinyl. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So he did. A, he did a pressing of of both of those albums, which I'm glad that he was able to do. But. Yeah, well, I, I want to work with him forever. That's yeah, well, it's it's kind of a bit rare nowadays for artists to have that link for so long. Um, totally. You know, you see, um, well, where was it? The Midnight Suns and all mm-hmm. of that stuff has gone through Closed Casket. So yeah. um, going into that In Love There Is No Law, that mm-hmm. was the release that really... Yeah, suddenly everyone's talking about twitching tongues. Suddenly it's like there's this band, you know, they're they're heavy but they're melodic, they're different, they're undescribable. Um was that the moment that you kind of found that twitching tongues was making a mark and making an impression? We hope so, you know. That that was the goal. Um but when we finished it, I think we really felt like we had something there. Mm. And, and the general response seemed to echo that, which was cool. And it made, you know, and that we did that first tour on it in the U.S. And it, like, wasn't amazing, uh, the, you know, thoroughly amazing. Like, uh, we always say this, but Eyes Adjust took, like, a full year to get a real reaction. Wow. Live. And now it's, like, it's the hit. You know, yeah. it's the one where when we play it, we can count on that being good. But it's interesting, like, it, you know, as, as much as we have to grow on people, it's like we still, our own songs have to grow on the people that already like us, you know? Yeah, 
That's, it's, it's weird, man. It is weird. It's a, it's a thing that has never changed. It's a slow burner process the whole time, it feels like. Yeah, um, big time. And then, then you made the interesting switch to Metal Blade. Was that uh, mm-hmm. a conscious effort? And, I mean, to be honest, I don't think anyone could say if Metal Blade came to them and they were in a band that they'd turn that down because that's a label. That's a label we all grew totally. up with. Totally. And that was that was the vibe, you know. And, and we did uh, that tour. In two, we did a U.S. tour in 2014 with Code Orange, and that was, like, incredible. That was one of the coolest things we've ever done in terms of just uh, universal reaction and response. And after that is when we really kind of started getting offers from uh, like worldwide labels and just major, major indie labels. And at the time, Metal Blade really seemed like a no brainer. It wasn't, it wasn't a conscious thing to be like, all right, we're going to be a metal band now. Mm-hmm. It was just like, okay, well, we have the potential to do something bigger and bring closed casket with us in a sense so yeah like i said it was it was a no-brainer that maybe should have been a brainer you know Mm, okay because in retrospect in retrospect i don't know if you know we there's i think there's ways we benefited from that relationship and ways that it it uh, maybe hurt us well one of the things that i still am very confused about was the absolute backlash that Disharmony got. Um, yeah, man, that's crazy. And I think what surprises me most is I can't, I wouldn't be able to fathom or put my head around it for you as an artist that you put all this time, sweat, energy into making mm-hmm. something. And you know that not everyone's going to love it. Some people will, some totally. people won't. But you guys released it and it was just like, oh my God, like, is anyone just gonna like if you don't have nothing good to say why don't you just say nothing but everyone wanted to in a way it also felt like people were just on a bandwagon some guy next to him says i don't like this album they're like yeah it sucks man yeah it sucks it's like have you heard it no yeah that was that was the whole vibe and and and, uh i'd say at the time it was it was it was baffling and, and pretty pretty crushing being that i still think that's like some of the, my best melodies are on there by far, and uh, some of Taylor's best riffs. I don't know. I just made. I think it's it was a time and place thing. It wasn't it wasn't what people were expecting, or probably what they wanted. You know. Mm. Well, it was a stylistic like, change, but it's it it was a natural yeah. evolution of the band. Like, and I think with we felt like that too. Like, if you look at some songs on and love there's no law like feed your disease and uh deliver us to evil it was like okay well let's do let's do more of this but still keeping it uh melodic when it needs to be so you know we love heavy shit we love mosh parts so we just wanted to up up everything you know Mm. we turned up the we turned up the melodies we made them more epic we turned up the pit riffs turned up the solos and everything I don't know, man. It just it just didn't uh, didn't connect with people. Maybe maybe it will someday. And you know, I, I see things every now and then where people are like, I I didn't like this when it came out, and now I, I get it now. But uh, I don't know, man. We'll, time it, will tell. Did it take? You know, part of that also. Did it take some wind out of your sails? Like you know, the motivation oh, at all? Of course. Yeah. Big time. 
Uh, completely. I got to a point where I was like, well, I don't want to make music anymore if that's the Fuck. case, you know? Because it, it was just like, I don't know, it, it was confusing. But, you know, I, 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 like I said, in retrospect, uh, I get it now because it, it is pretty different from the record before it. But like you said, it, it felt natural to me. Like we couldn't do the same thing again. No. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, we didn't pull we, – we did the Disharmony tour – uh, with Harm's Way in 2015, did Europe the following January, and then we didn't tour until September 2017. Yeah, quite a bit of time off so there. Al- almost two years off. Uh, just and it just like it just felt like it felt right, you know. It was like, all right, well, if this ain't working, then it ain't working. And then I feel like it kind of happened again with the last one, in a sense. Where, I, but I think I think the the response was better. Like people who heard it like it, but I think maybe a lot of people just didn't hear it. You know. I think I think you know you look at the progression from in love, disharmony, and then gaining purpose. Mm-hmm. It. I don't think you would have got gaining purpose without disharmony. I think it feels like no. it feels like perfect in between chapter to lead into it's both, it. You know? But I I know some people that weren't willing which I'm always confused when someone's a big fan of a band and then if they don't like an album that's fine but they won't even try the next album. Yeah. Um I know gaining purpose for me was in my top 10 of the year in 2018. Wow, thank you. Appreciate um, that. Because there's something about that album that I could feel the anger and passion behind it. And it felt structured very differently. It felt um, everything linked into the next one. Was that something yeah, you it was, went it was, out of your way? Totally. For? It was very. De- it was very deliberate. Mm. Um, I had this uh, vision of it kind of feeling like a movie mm. to me. Okay. And, and having just these peaks and valleys, and and some of the parts repeating in subtle ways where people might not notice it till they the fiftieth time they hear it. Uh. But yeah, I mean, we we put a lot into that one, and and I think it was. It, I mean, it, I hate to say this, but it felt kind of like like a make or break type thing, mm-hmm. you know, where it was like, all right, this one's do or die, and it wasn't really a make, but I don't know if it was a break either. It's like it doesn't suck. We love yeah. it, you know. I I, I think if I didn't think it was our best record, I then I failed. So I would. I think I I at this point think that's the the best thing that we've made but it just kind of made me put some perspective into all of us where it was like okay maybe we need to not really try to anticipate or even think about what anyone is going to think of it and just focus on writing music well i mean it was also a bit interesting because you also gained sean from Hatebreed mm-hmm. around that time as well. Totally. And um, that was the having him as kind of the third creative mind there was just something we've never had. Well, how did he and join? It was, a, it was a shot in the dark, man. We Taylor emailed him like, hey, I heard you wanted to play music again. You want to uh, do this fill in for us on this tour? We'd never met him before. <laughs> and two weeks later, he responded like, hey, man, sorry, I took so while long to respond. Yeah, I'll do the tour. Wow. And it was like, whoa, shit. Okay, well, we have this other one a couple months later. Do you want to do that? Uh, yeah. Okay. Well, we, do you want to just be in the band? And then he was like, uh, yeah. And then the <laughs> next day, we that we did a little press release. 
Yeah, he, 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 I had people um, say to me, have you seen the Twitching Tongues promo? I didn't know Sean from Hatebreed was in the band. And a lot of people were like, yeah. yeah, fuck yeah, wow. And I think Crazy. I think for you guys, probably, like you said, another another ear in writing process would have been uh, refreshing but also challenging and exciting at the same time. It was it was all, all of the above. I mean, we had never really had somebody who kind of meshed so well creatively with what our vision was and kind of understood that. And he just jumped right in and, and, you know, gave us this, a little, uh, essentially like a memo pad full of riffs that we could kind of pick and choose from and, uh, incorporate into the song. So it was like a, a couple of those songs really just became like a meeting of all three minds and the record wouldn't have turned out the way it did without him. Now, I've got a question with what's going on with Twitching now, because I know you've got a lot of stuff going on. I mean, the amount of bands mm-hmm. that you've got going on. You guys dropped the Disharmony Zero EP, mm-hmm. which was kind of you doing drums and vocals on yeah. the stuff. Um, now, was that kind of a gap filler, or was that something that people were requesting? And then the other part of the question is... I don't know that people really thought that that existed. Really? Uh, we just, we, we, uh, we love our demos, honestly. We go fucking super hard on them and make sure that we enjoy listening to them. So uh, with this harmony being as weird as it was in terms of response and us being so uh, just, we, lo- we were in love with the demo sessions for that. So we thought it would be cool to just for people to hear a little bit part of it. And maybe we'll put out more of it eventually. But yeah, those two in particular, we I I always preferred the demo versions over the album version. So I mean, what's what's the future hold for Twitching Tongues? Because it seems like, you know, the the album came out and it seems like you guys weren't heavily touring. Not that bands need to heavily tour, and I don't mean it like that. But uh, for being your main band, it feels mm-hmm. like the your foot's not on the pedal. It's kind of just, you're in neutral. You're kind of just sitting there doing what you well, need what, to do. What's funny is I would say the, so the like six months leading up to the record, we were, we toured for like yeah, six, you were like then. five yeah. of those months. Yeah. Then the record, record came out and we, the day the record came out, we started a tour with Hatebreed in the States. Um, did that, played, uh, United Blood Fest did a, an East Coast tour. Like we were doing shit. And I don't know if it maybe it just didn't seem like it, but then we last May we started. We uh, left for the longest tour. What is the longest tour we've ever done? Which probably to some bands isn't shit, but it was like eight weeks or something. Um, yeah, I'm sure bands do that all the time. But for us, it was just kind of like, all right, well, this is the test of if we are still in the kind of mental and physical state to be like a full-time touring band. And by the end of it, I think the consensus that was that we really weren't. So I can't, I don't know that we'll, we'll never do like big tours again, but at this point with all of us individually, it's not really uh, our goal. Yeah. I I can't say I don't think that we'll ever stop writing music just because mm-hmm. it's awesome and why you know mm. there's no reason to to break up when uh, the creative aspect is the most rewarding part of it to us but I don't think that we're really uh, like a touring unit anymore 
Mm. Well, I mean, it's I mean, it's also understandable with that many projects going on, and maybe make yeah. the, make the tours when the tours happen be ones that are really going to impact, kind of thing. Mm. Um, and that's what that's what we thought we were doing the whole time, because like from 2013 to 2015, we only did one U.S. tour a year, and it was like the the album release tour in a way. Like 2013 was Love, There's No Law. 2014 was the one with Code Orange that coincided with our fake live album. And then 2015 was the Disharmony one. So they all kind of had, there was a purpose rather than just touring to tour. So that's what we were hoping it would be. It would be like, okay, the one Twitching Tongues tour of the year is here. Let's make it good. And then it just became like an uh, I'll see him next time type thing. Oh, shit. Yeah. So, and you know, I feel like that's a natural thing. It's some bands, that's just how it goes. But uh, we just kind of decided that eh, there won't be it next time, Mm. sometime, at some point, you know? Um, One thing I forgot to ask about gaining purpose was the amount of people that were saying this was twitching tongues going typo negative. Was, Was that a. Some people were saying how much the influence of typo had on your music. I read a lot of articles at the time that were saying, oh, Twitching Tongues love typo negative. Um, yeah, I mean, that's so that was our the, the reason the band started was yeah. to do typo meets Only Living Witness. You know, yeah. that was the whole vibe. It was like, that's our one single goal. And I think we started to stray from that when people uh, just talk, that when that became the only thing people talked about was like, uh, Twitching Tongues is the new typo negative. Yeah, when realistically, was, after uh, after the demo, I don't think we really sounded all that much like them. I don't. I, it confused me because I I knew it was you know something you guys loved, but it confused yeah. me when I'm reading and hearing people say this because I was listening to the music and I'm going, where do you hear? Yeah, this? it's weird. The first song, Game Purpose. If you break it down track by track, first song is like a Candlemass Slayer song. Yeah. Second second song is like a later Chromag song. Third song is like a Danzig ballad. Then there's like an Agnostic Front song. And then maybe the one song that is typo is uh, Forgive and Remember. And then it's like metal song, ballad, metal song, metal ballad. It's a, it's uh, a weird, it was a weird comparison. But uh, I mean, yeah. I guess it be, I mean, it's not a bad band to be. No, no, I mean, yeah, that's the one band that I'd, I'd be okay with, you know, being compared to, but I'd, scientifically, yeah, oh. we don't sound all that much like them. No, no, and I, I showed Typo Negative fans who hadn't heard you guys, and they were like, this doesn't sound like Typo. I was like, I, I know it no. doesn't, but apparently this is the new... We would agree. Yeah, it's a bit weird. It's yeah. <laughs> very strange. Um, yeah. I want to touch on some other bands and some other things. Um, God's sure. Hate. Like, mm-hmm. wow. Um, I discovered God's Hate by Chance. I don't know who it was. It was someone, I think it might have been Scott Vogel or someone shared mm. uh, Mass Murder uh, on mm. his Instagram when it came out. Um, now, that's you on guitar. Yes, it is. Uh, yes. So ha- how did your link up with God's Hate happen? And suddenly now you're showing... You know, you've got multi facets to your punk rock talents here, brother. I, yeah, man. Now you're on the now Thank you're on you. the frets. Well, uh, so the singer Nate, aka Brody King, 
Yes. Current uh, Australian tag team wrestling yes, champion. Yes, he is. Uh, he's he's been my best friend for like ten years, oh, and wow. uh, we had always wanted to do a band together. So I Taylor got this uh, steel guitar made, this like custom steel. Uh, was it like a like a Jaguar Fender Jaguar body? And I was like, man, that's fucking sick. I want to get one made. I didn't even play guitar. <laughs> I could fiddle around on acoustic guitar and like write a little bit, but I couldn't play like a full power chord. So I essentially bought a custom guitar and then and then learned how to play guitar to start God's Hate. <laughs> so uh so like six months later we had written the I wrote the the first record, the mm-hmm. Divine Justice one. And then Leo, formerly of Twitching Tongues and now formerly of God's Hate, and I wrote the LP uh maybe a year later. And uh, he left the band, and now I'm like like 80% done with the second okay. So that'll be coming this year. Now, what what's the go with that, with Brody being, you know, wrestling and stuff, and, you know, anyone that knows wrestlers, they don't really have off time, so... Uh, That's okay with me. I mean... We'll do what, we'll do what we can when we can. I'm not... I'm, I'm, like I said, I'm in kind of no... No, uh, no rush to to be like full time touring guy. Well, I love I love that that you know music is such a punk rock. You got very it's a very punk rock ethos. It's kind of mm-hmm. want to get the music out because the music is the most important thing. You can not play. Yeah, shows. I don't care about anything else. Yeah. I don't care about shirts anymore. I don't care about tours. Just want to make music. Yeah, because that's the thing that stands up over time is the music. Totally. That's what's always there. Um, then you dipped you dipped your feet in Eyes of the Lord with Bruce formerly mm-hmm. of a hundred demons. Um Wow, I mean that anyone that knows hardcore knows kinda he's got that legendary voice. That voice, man. Wow. So that so Eyes of the Lord actually technically started before God's Hate. Really? Oh, okay. Yeah, so Taylor Taylor and I recorded the demos for uh what became that the the first record in two thousand thirteen. Mm-hmm. And he took a while. The, the band had a couple different incarnations and names. It was initially called Rest and Pain, and that's why the first out the first song is called that. That intro, and we were pretty married to that, so we didn't have a name forever. Uh, and then we just kind of settled on Eyes of the Lord and thought it was a cool throwback to Bruce. Uh, but eventually, he's when he first sent us the demos with vocals on him. It was like we all had goosebumps because it was like there's his fucking voice for the first time in a long time. So we uh, just finished the Eyes of the Lord album that is getting mastered at the moment, and that'll be out this year as well. Ooh. Yeah. Fuck yes. Yeah, um, now, the other one, yeah, I'll, more questions after these, these band things. Sure. But, um, the Midnight Suns was... Mm-hmm. That came out of nowhere, it felt like. I mean, I, I, I follow Close Casket really carefully because it's one of my favorite labels and mm-hmm. i saw it drop um the ep t- 2016 i think 16 or 17 I yeah think. I, I don't i don't remember either at this point but yeah that was just a cool thing uh we really wanted to do like a uh like a japanese kind mm. of hardcore band with with just some hard shit uh with our friend josiah from criminal instinct singing because he moved to california 
and that was it. We wrote that seven inch and put it out and didn't think about any, anything else. It was just like, all right, let's write a cool record and play fucking three shows and whatever. It's epic. It's really chaotic. It's frantic. It feels like it's just going to let go at any minute and fall into a shambles. Like it's just yeah. that like chaos. <laughs> like it's, it's epic. Um, That's a cool review, man. Thanks. So you kind of, you clearly have your multi facets of skills, you know, vocals, drums, guitars. Um, is there something that you're wanting to do band-wise that you haven't achieved? Because you are achieving a lot. I mean, you're getting a lot of different sounds out there, a lot of different bands. Or are you someone that's never quite satisfied? It's like, well, that's never quite enough. I've done that, but I want to do it better and again. Or Yeah, I mean, I, I would, that's always there, you know, just thinking like, well, uh, how do we top this now? Mm-hmm. But just keep getting competitive with yourself. You know, it's inevitable. But uh, now with uh, playing this new band called Nudie Mag with uh, Alec, who plays bass and Twitching Tongues, and his wife. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's the demo is actually up. Uh, it's like a like just straight up pop rock music. And that's really cool. And we're recording for that at the moment right now, too. So we'll be putting out more of that this year. And that has been a really cool kind of new, exciting, refreshing type of music to play because I've never gotten to do that. Mm. And it's cool. It's fun, man. Well, that takes, I mean, that's something that people don't realize. When, you, when you're playing something, it's a bit not as heavy stuff. It can actually be a bit harder to play because your mistakes can be heard easier. Totally. Like, and in terms of, but the, what's interesting is that I figured it would be more difficult to write that mm-hmm. kind of thing. But man, like after writing just some some classically structured pop songs, going back and writing stuff like God's Hate is so much harder because it's like, really, if a single part is not interesting to me, I can't just think like, oh, well, we'll slap a cool melody on it and it's fixed, you know, because everything kind of has to be rock solid or it's going to be noticeable and it's going to jump out to the, the listener it's going to be obvious and and it's like at, at this point so many bands are doing crazy hard mosh parts that it's like every single one needs to be dynamite and needs yeah. to be creative and something that no band has ever done before i feel like every riff is gone every riff is taken yeah, every breakdown's gone. It's definitely by now. They're all gone, yeah. but I got to do them again. You know? <laughs> I don't have a choice. <laughs> with with the industry, the way it's changed over time now, you know, for someone like yourself that's in so many bands, is there a lot of power now for you as an artist to get your music out? Is it easier for you to get your music out, or is it a little bit more challenging to get it out and keep it heard in a way? Uh. I would say a little of both. Mm -hmm. I would say it's probably easier to initially just be like, here's my new band Mm -hmm. and there's kind of a built in couple hundred people who will hear it. But there's probably just some fatigue with, uh, my existing in, in a, in a a unit of, uh, musicians. So there's probably, there's probably a, a a group of people out there who are like, Oh, he's in this. I don't need to hear it. So that's a, there's a stigma there, but I mean, I don't know how big it is, but it's definitely a thing, but there's definitely, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a little of both. There's probably people who are psyched to hear it 
right off the bat and people who couldn't give two shits. I also think part of the problem now is because music is so accessible, staying relevant and staying um, in people's earshot is probably a bit harder. You know, you yeah. if you drop something, if they don't know about it within the first few weeks, they're probably gonna not going to know about it. If it's, unless it's in, I mean, I'm guilty of the same thing sometimes because it, unless it's in my recently added in my Apple Music, you know, I forget about it. Yeah. So it's, I can't, I can't blame people because that's just how music works now, and albums are kind of dead. Mm. You know, in in regular mainstream music, it's like people put out a single once a month, and that's it. And and if people listen to an album, they probably don't make it to the end. Well, it is it, the the art of an album, as you said, it's kind of gone. Um, you're seeing it now with a lot of metal bands that dropping, you know, a, an EP or a seven inch or a couple of singles, um, something to tie yeah. over listeners. Um, do you think? Do you think streaming is helping the industry, or do you think it's killing the industry? Uh, I'd say, as far as accessibility, it's an it's an amazing, powerful tool. Mm. In terms of uh, what music benefiting an artist, it's probably the worst thing to ever happen to music. Yeah, and I think it's uh, poisonous to what the the average music listener thinks the value of music is. Like I saw at one point a Spotify promotion that was like a dollar for four months of Spotify. Yeah. That's... So that's teaching the, the music listeners that the value of the entire library of music in the history of time is worth one single dollar. That's fucked up. That's crazy. Yeah. I, I don't, I and don't... That, that just don't, that don't sit well with me. Yeah. No, uh, it really confuses me because I have, since I was a kid collected music. You know, whether it's mm-hmm. CDs, cassettes, vinyls, whatever it's been, I've always collected music. It's been ingrained right. in me that you, if you like the music, you buy the music. And there's something about owning it in the real deal. I I love the yeah. the fact that you can access access anything from any around the world on your phone. Yeah, it's awesome. But I'm worried that the new generation are forgetting that, okay, you found that album online and you love it, but that band, you could probably... Show them a little bit of love. Spend that five dollars, ten dollars, whatever it is, and get a copy of it. I know it's oh. gonna. I know it's gonna clutter up your room and it's gonna be a thing. But that money goes to the band. Like, mm-hmm. You, they can. And a lot of times, hardcore bands and metal bands put a shit ton of work into the physical product and making sure it's cool and something they're proud of looking at because they're gonna be looking at it forever. And in our case, we always like to do a little something that just makes it fucking feel good to hold mm. it's well, it's weird yeah. what about the hardcore community for you you're someone really ingrained in the hardcore community since day dot really um yeah is hardcore still a community or does it still have the same purpose it did and what i mean by that is i grew up with a lot of hardcore bands that um they didn't have to have a message but it was all about unity um inclusion totally. Um, it now feels like not very many bands are about the community. It's about we're going to stand atop and you either come with us or not. Maybe, yeah. I mean, I think it depends. uh varies by region. Mm. I think where we live is very 
supportive of uh, itself in a, in a cool way. And it's also very supportive of, of out of town acts. Uh, I mean, I think if you're, if you're not from California, you have a, at this point you have a better chance of having a great show in California than a band from California. Oh wow. Okay. Which is, which is pretty damn cool. You know, they're, they really pay attention and they really care when, when out of town bands come the community aspect. Uh, I definitely think is alive and well, I think fests are kind of an issue mm-hmm. in terms of just, uh, the support of, your local show going environment since every everywhere's got a fest. So it's like, there's kind of no point to go see um, the regular off day of this band's tour. Cause you're going to see them at the fest in two months. And now, you know, I mean, it's cool for cities that didn't get a lot of shows for them to do things like that. I mean, like I feel like Australia has its own, has its own problems at this point with like, yeah. Uh, I, I feel like one or two American bands go there every year or every other year at this point, right? Well, we, we've got some issues with not only that, that bands don't come frequently, but uh, live music venues are getting shut down left, right, and center. We're getting to the See? point where if you're in an up and coming band, you're struggling to find somewhere to play. Um, wow. And so that, the drip down effect is it's making it not seem worthwhile being in a band if you have nowhere you can play because you have to play to maybe get your passion going or whatever it is Um, because that's just Australia. And, yeah, being so far away from everyone, we can understand people not coming. But sometimes when the band does come, the turnout isn't good. So then why would an American band come back? Because if you come down to Australia and you get 100 people turn up, you're going to tell all the other bands you know in America when you go back. Uh, we had 100 people it. came, don't go. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, you know, when, the one time we went there, we it was it was booked around a fest. Yes. Our, and yeah. the, the, fest, the fest was amazing. Mm. And then it was kind of like the rest of it wasn't. And the way it was booked had us flying into Melbourne, driving to Adelaide immediately. Yeah. Playing in Adelaide, driving back to Melbourne, yep. and playing that night, and we, the entire band got sick mm-hmm. because of that. Like we were so run down and shot that we were just fucked up for the entire tour. So there was no way for us to have a good time. We were shot. So hopefully, you know, if the day comes where we're able to, ever able to to come back there, we can do it right and not well, it, run ourselves into the ground. It doesn't doesn't help that Australia, every major city is eight to ten hours away from each other. But I mean, Straight we're, up. Every every drive was like eight or nine hours. Yeah, we don't make it easy on ourselves. We're pretty fucked up. Wild man. Yeah. We also we also have a country where everything is trying to kill you. The weather, the animals, the insects. Wow. Yeah, we we, we keep life on edge. Well, luckily, I there was no attempted uh, murder on my life there by any insects. <laughs> maybe maybe a close call with like an emu or something. Yeah, it's no surprise. But but we yeah. were good. Yeah, we were good. It was cool. I mean, it was beautiful there. But man, we were fucking shot. Um, something I wanted to ask is social media, the good and bad side of it. Someone like yourself, um, I think you've copped quite a bit through music and through. Yeah, I know you're someone that you lost quite a bit of weight recently. Um, and, yeah. And a lot of that was about 
people giving you a hard time about promo shots about your Fuck weight. Fuck yeah, man. Now, That's crazy. It's insane. Like, yeah, it's can pretty you, brutal, man. Can you kind of explain what happened um, sure. with that? Because that, that, that really, when I saw you post about it, it made me go, wow, people are giving him hate about his weight? Like, shit. Yeah. Just some some classic body shaming, you know. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Which is fun. It's funny to say like that, but it's like it's true. That's what they're mm-hmm. doing. Um. So I remember it, the first real thing I saw was as we got off stage, uh, after Sound and Fury 2016. Somebody said, uh, "What was it? The singer of Twisting Tongues looks like he eats uh, a dozen Krispy Kreme donuts every day." Wow. I was like, I was like, wow, that was fucked. And then, like, the response to that tweet was, like, amazing. Got him. <laughs> Rather than, like, that's kind of fucked up. So that was interesting. And But it still took me a while to kind of do something about it. it. took me, like, another two years or so. And then we did that winter tour uh, in 2017. The, the first tour we did with Hatebreed, we were all at our absolute fattest. We were fucking huge. I was, like, 250 pounds. Sean was like 220 or 230. Uh, even Alec, who's like a skinny little half Chinese guy, was like pushing 210 or 220. And uh, by the end, uh, last May, I started, I went on a diet and started just doing shit. And I ended up losing like 80 pounds or something. Fuck. At first, yeah. I'm back up to like a, a comfortable 185 now. But, uh, yeah, it's crazy, man. Like a- any promo shot we posted, somebody was like, "You guys are looking thick," or like, it's, "You guys are eating good," just something like that. Yeah, it was pretty funny. It's a bit weird that people think that because they have access to the social media that they can abuse you, and you guys have felt that with an album, and you're getting personally attacked based off personal yeah. photos. Yeah, it's crazy, man. It's pretty pretty insane to think about. I don't really think about that, but. Uh, when I do, and somebody brings it up, it, they can't believe it. It makes me angry. It may it makes me angry for you yeah. because it's like, uh, dickhead. Like you just, <laughs> I don't understand people. I, and that's part of why I hate social media. Is yeah, uh, people see it as a platform to try and belittle people to make themselves feel better. Yeah, man, totally. It's the, uh, it gives everyone a platform. Uh, especially some, you know, there's a lot of bad people that have a platform because of this social networking site. Somebody spoiled The Force Awakens for me when it came out in maybe, in maybe the meanest way possible. Listen to this. This is a real thing. Uh, as I was sitting in the theater waiting for it to start, uh, I got a Facebook notification to the Twitching Tongues Facebook. So it was like somebody posted on the wall, the Twitching Tongues Facebook wall. Somebody named Chris Benoit. So yeah, I know. Okay. So their picture was of Chris Benoit, and uh, the comment was, "I killed my son the same way Kylo Ren kills his father, Han Solo." Oh fuck! And it was like it was like opening night. Oh. Somebody doing it like it was. It was like they know that people in the band care, so they wanted to hurt me. It was like I was sitting. It was in disbelief at just how insane the whole act of that making the Crispin Law page, leaving the comment on a band's thing, and spoiling Star Wars. Holy shit! Like what? It was just a. It was. It was such an insane trifecta of things. 
I mean, and did you read it as you were sitting in the seat? Oh, I was. I was. The movie was like minutes from starting. Oh no! It was crazy. Oh. Yeah, it was brutal, man. How did you not get angry? I would have been. Furious. I was furious. I was furious. I was like, maybe they're lying. And then within the first like fifteen or twenty minutes, they revealed that yeah, Han Han is Kylo's dad, and I was like, they, he fucking he kills him. Oh. And I know this. I'm cursed with this knowledge now. <laughs> you son of a bitch. Yeah, that fucking sucks, man. Oh, dude. Um, Brutal. Now, one last thing before we start mm-hmm. wrapping things up and we get to my last segment is, what's your goals for this year? I mean, you got, by the sounds of things, you said there's so much things in the pipeline. What's what's the, what do you want to aim for for the end of the year musically? I think my goal is to not have a goal. Oh fuck! Hey, nice. Yeah, that's nice. Because I've I've had a goal every year. I've had expectations and kind of hopes for everything. And this year, I'm just gonna keep recording an insane amount of shit. Like like confirmed five LPs. That's uh, sick. That I played on will be coming out this year. Are they all? Is it drums and guitar or any vocals? Uh, just drums so far. Wow. Yeah. Fuck yeah. Well, I mean, so, I, I, I got to say, um, yeah, give give me all the music. Give me all the music. Like, we w- I will. Yeah. Thanks sick. for wanting it. Um, okay, brother, what we do, last segment is called Pick Your Poison. Sure. So what we do here is you get two options, and of the two options, you pick your favorite. Okay. Okay, some are easy, some are a bit hard. Uh, okay. Would you prefer a pizza or a burger? Pizza. Oh, that was easy. Um, mm-hmm. Chinese takeaway or Indian takeaway? Chinese, no fucking question. <laughs> Would you prefer to cook at home or go to a restaurant? Come, come on, man! I've cooked like seven times my whole life. <laughs> I, I got, I got eggs and steak only, but I'm going out. I, go, I eat out like three times a day. Uh, would you prefer to go to the cinema for the movie or sit on the couch? Cinema, baby. Yeah, it's my happy place. Uh, do you prefer a cat or a dog? It's complicated. You got both. I've only ever I've I've only had cats my whole life, really. What? Yeah, I never had a dog growing up. I'm I'm starting to really like dogs. I think I think a great dog is an incredibly rare, wonderful thing. Well, I mean, I hate, hate a shitty dog. I'm a bit biased. I got three dogs, so well, there you go. Yeah, well, are they all cool? Well, two. Yeah. See, that's always how it is, yeah. too. One's a piece of shit. <laughs> I don't let the other one hear this. She Hopefully she can't <laughs> hear me. Uh, <laughs> but she knows my feelings. She gets on my nerves every day, unfortunately. See? Um, there it is. Do you prefer the beach or the snow? Snow. Really? The sun The sun is my mortal enemy. Wow. If, if, I, s- could, if I could shoot it from the sky with a fucking bazooka, <laughs> I would. Do you get sunburned easily? I, instantly. Really? Whoa. I gotta walk outside like <laughs> <laughs> secretly albino. Yeah. Straight up, that's yeah. me. Um, skateboard or rollerblade? Uh, neither. Oh, okay, surf or ski? No. Uh, neither. Ooh, okay. Yeah. Um, PlayStation or Xbox? PlayStation, baby. Yeah. Uh, Batman or Superman? Batman. Wolverine or Deadpool? Wolverine. Uh, Terminator or Predator? As a franchise or as a single movie? As the first movie. 
T T one versus Predator. Mm-hmm. Predator. Yes. Yes. T two versus anything. T two. T two. Yeah. But see, that's why you try not involve T two because it just dominates. Yeah, I know. Oh. It's not fair. No. Um, Rambo or Rocky? Rocky. Okay. Freddy or Jason? Freddy. Uh, Sylvester Stallone or Arnold? Arnold. Yeah. Arnold is Arnold. God. Arnold is my personal god. Um, uh, this is a interesting one. MacGyver or Walker, Texas Ranger? I might go Texas Ranger only because um, whenever I was watching uh, Raw as a child on USA, Walker, Texas Ranger was generally after. <laughs> So I watched it. It was either that or it was before. So I'd watch like 15 minutes of Walker. And I never really gave a fuck about MacGyver. Well, it's Chuck. I'll take, Mag- I'll take MacGruber over both of them. Yes, MacGruber. Yes. Hopefully there's a sequel, apparently. There's always a I sequel, love apparently. That. Um, I mean, South Park or Simpsons? Simpsons. Uh, Anchorman or Step Brothers? Step Brothers. Uh, Undertaker or Kane? Undertaker. Uh, at one point in my life, I would. Kane was my favorite wrestler in like 1999. Mm-hmm. But uh, longevity-wise, Undertaker. His cor- the corporate Kane ruined his character forever. Yeah, not, not the a good decision. The, de- the demasking of Kane fucked up his character. But I mean, the it's only barely worse than the American Badass era of Undertaker. Yeah, only just. But that was pretty bad. Only just. But mm. all encompassed, Undertaker has had the, the better career. Uh, you mentioned him before, Benoit or Guerrero? Uh, I think Benoit is the greatest to ever wrestle, but, uh, heinous acts aside, Mm. you know, Mm. uh, I probably have to go Guerrero. Uh, Triple H or HBK? I might go Triple H. Honestly, it's a, uh, I love Sean. He's obviously uh, one of the most influential of all time, but in terms of uh, impact on the industry as we know it, uh, Triple H is the reason. Uh, he's the reason NXT is what it is, uh, and I the, I have an immense amount of respect for him. Yeah, and I think I'm a, I'm a, I'm a Triple H guy. I'm a big Triple H guy. I think the I think pedigree looks a bit better than the sweet chin. It's the it's like the it's, it's the most brutal finisher ever. Oh, and a- anything about a sledgehammer when he used to be all about the sledgehammer. Oh, I love that. So oh. occasionally he cracked motherfuckers too. When they had yeah. the gimmick ones, like he, he cracked Undertaker with it one time and actually fucked him up because the handle came back and hit him. And the handle was wood, but the yeah the head yeah. was gimmick. It's oh amazing. Um, all right, a couple music ones. Slayer mm-hmm. or Pantera? Slayer. Uh, Terra or Madball? Terra. Uh, Cannibal Corpse or Black Dahlia Murder? Cannibal Corpse. Metallica or Megadeth? Metallica. Metallica. I mean, of course, like, yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, Van Halen or Motley Crue? Van Halen. Right. Van Halen over almost, almost any band. Last couple here. Would you prefer stage dives or mic grabs? Like if, if I'm the one singing or I'm the one doing them? Uh, you're on stage. What would you prefer people to do, stage dive or Pro- mic grab? Probably, probably diving. Okay. I don't know. A little both. I mean, give me a mix. Okay. Give me a nice mix. Uh, do you prefer to watch a show from the mosh pit 
or up by the sound desk? Now, at this point in my life, probably by the sound desk, but it also depends on who's playing. Okay. Um, now, the next one, I think... Occasionally, is- occasionally somebody gets me, you know? Like, Harm's Way, I, I truly love, and I, I can't I can't stand idly by. No. Anytime, you, you, I, anytime I see Harm's You game. can't stand still when, when they're going at it. Um, yeah. Next one, I think I know is what the answer is going to be. Would you prefer to tour or record? Well, I think we know the record, answer. Record, baby. Yeah. Come on. Now, last one is, would you prefer to own an album on CD, vinyl, or on your phone? Vinyl. Nice. Mm-hmm. Um, Just in terms of the, the packaging quality and detail. And the sound. Yeah, totally. Um, Dude, epic. Epic. Thanks for having me. Hey, man, thank, thank you for Good coming chat. on the show, man. That was a lot of fun. No problem, anytime. A uh, lot of love, a lot of respect, and really appreciate it, and... Give me the music, man. Like, just keep it coming. Right. Will do. There's going to be a lot of it. Yeah, just, I will never stop. Just keep raping my ear holes. I'm happy with it. You got it. Done.
Who's yours? So that was my chat with Colin of Twitching Tongues and God's Hate. And at the end there, you heard two tracks from Twitching Tongues. They were Gaining Purpose and Eyes Adjust. And also the third track you heard there was the track Extermination by God's Hate. So guys, there's a lot of bands that Colin's been in or has worked with. Now, I hope you had a pen and paper handy while that was all going on. Hope you wrote down some of those artists. If not, don't worry. They will be featured on the Mosh Zone guest list on Spotify. But also, don't forget, get online, do some exploring. Go down the rabbit hole of the talent that Colin has. Lots of amazing hardcore. Lots of different styles of hardcore. Thank you again, Colin, for taking time out for me and the Mosh Zone. Much love, much respect, much appreciated. So that's it, guys. That's The Mosh Zone, episode 67. Done, dusted, all wrapped up, locked away in the can for this week. Guys, if you're a first-time listener, thank you for tuning in. I hope you come back over future weeks on future episodes. If you're a regular listener, thank you as always for tuning in and hope you come back in future weeks. This time of the show is when I remind you that we need your help to get out to more listeners. So if you've got a few moments this week and you enjoyed this episode, share it on your social medias. Also, tell everyone you know about the Mosh Zone. Help us out. Help us grow this Mosh Zone community. Also, at this time of the show, I need to remind you that if you want to find Mosh News and Mosh Reviews, we have it all on our website and social medias. Our website is www.themoshzone.com. Our social medias are all at The Mosh Zone, and you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Also, don't forget, you can also get in touch through our email address, which is themoshzone at gmail.com. Get in touch, guys. Help us grow this Mosh Zone community. There's not much else to talk about. That is all of my rambling done. Thank you for tuning in. Have a great week. Stay safe. Open the pitch.